This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart, and you're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join our guests. It's Trader Nick in the United States and Oanda Senior Market Analyst in London, Craig Earlham. Good afternoon, guys. Hey, Johnny. How's it going? Very well. Let's start with the latest uh, PPI numbers from the United States, these uh, wholesale figures. And uh, prices unexpectedly fell in December, which is a positive sign with the lowering of interest rates going forward. It is. And I guess when you take this in kind of a holistic look to what we saw with CPI uh, yesterday, this is kind of a little bit of a a rebalancing to what was admittedly a a hotter than expected number yesterday. This number coming in cooler than expected throws in a little bit of balance to the picture. Of course, these are two different measurements, but it's still under the same umbrella of inflation. And generally speaking, we have been on the same topic for a while. We want to continue to see that inflationary number come down. Yesterday's number, as we look back at it and see that it was hotter than expected, caused markets to be a little bit concerned, right? There is this threshold that we've been t- talking about or question of a threshold around that 3% mark where you know we saw things bounce back up from that area. Are we going to struggle to get underneath that 3% mark, which could offer some struggle? This, of course, helps a little bit with that picture. And uh, we do actually see yields falling pretty substantially today. That's probably the biggest market shift that I can see. You get the two-year yield down 2%, currently trading at 4.15 so or, or close to it. That's a pretty um, meaningful break through the lows on the yields side of things in reaction to this. And again, I think what you have to do with inflation is look at it from an overall sort of macro trend rather than a single number. Yesterday, if you only looked at the single number from CPI, you might draw the conclusion, oh, inflation's ticking back up and this is a concern. And while that is worth considering, pull back the view a little bit, a little bit higher up, if you will, and you can still see that inflation is is coming down meaningfully and there are still uh, significant expectations for rate cuts this year. So I don't think that the narrative or the outlook has drastically changed, especially with core PPI and PPI coming in better than expected, cooler than expected, it helps to add to that that situation. We also had a little bit of UK GDP numbers that came out. Craig, what were your uh, thoughts on that? I know it was a little bit of a B, right? Yeah, we saw uh, 0.3% on the month. So consumers spending on Black Friday and going into the Christmas period. And it's quite important uh, in that we saw minus 0.3 the month before. We also saw downward revisions to a couple of the previous months as well. So the overall narrative is still that we've got flat growth. But at the same time, it's quite important, the narrative going into uh, an election year is that we could avoid a recession. Uh, and I think that's really important, uh, especially obviously for Rishi Sunak. The last thing they want to be talking about for six months before an election is whether the country is in recession or not, or being have that thrown at them. We know how important the economy is in people's voting intentions. And the Conservative Party is still 20 points behind the polls. So there's still a lot of ground to make up. And not having recession printed across all the papers is going to be very important in trying to narrow uh, that deficit. Uh, there's no guarantee that we're not at this point. We saw obviously the third quarter has revised down to minus 0.1. We look so we've seen plus 0.3 and minus 0.3 now for the first two months of the fourth quarter. So it all hangs on December ultimately, but now the economy's got a much better chance of avoiding that recession. Ultimately, it doesn't make a difference. What, what difference is zero growth versus two quarters of minus 0.1? It makes no difference. Unemployment's still low. It doesn't feel like we're in a recession. So it's only a recession technically, but like I say, still important. 
Let's change subjects now and talk about oil. And earlier we saw prices jump by 4% after the United States and UK launched strikes in Yemen over recent attacks by Houthi rebels in the Red Sea. Brent crude hit $80 a barrel for the first time this year, Craig. Markets are rightly going to be concerned about this. What happens to the supply of goods? What happens to inflation just when we're thinking we've got it licked? Yeah, I mean, you've got to remember any form of escalation in the region is going to be a concern for traders, particularly oil traders. 20% of global oil supply goes through the Strait of Amuz, uh, and therefore any potential for disruption in that area is problematic. And I think we've also got an enormous amount of trade of other goods that goes through that region as well, which is why we're hearing more and more companies talk about the potential for supply disruptions in the future if things do escalate further. But I think it's also telling that despite the 4% rally today, that brought Brent crude up to $80 a barrel. This is happening at a time when the oil market is well supplied, when there isn't the risk of other disruptions, uh, meaning that when this is happening, it's not having a much greater impact on the price of a barrel of oil. I think it probably also suggests that the current view in the markets is that this will be contained and that we're not going to see a, a massive escalation. We're not going to see this conflict broaden more substantially or much more substantially. We, we could see further uh, additional events like this. But uh, at this point in time, I think the markets are braced for de-escalation more so uh, than escalation despite the events of the last couple of days. But that 4% move today is a bit of a reminder that this is a market that's still sensitive to events in the Red Sea uh, and, and in the broader region and the, the involvement of more and more countries within that. Yeah, I mentioned this just before we started the podcast that as I stepped into the office today, uh, I noticed that the dollar index, the gold market and oil all were trading up on the day. And before I even had seen any or heard any of the news that has gone on overnight in the Middle East, you know, I already knew kind of that there was something up. You know, usually you see the gold market move higher on a weaker dollar. Oh, we didn't quite see that. So, um, of course, things have adjusted since then, but gold is trading at 2055 an ounce. It seems to have found support around the 2020 mark. And again, this news here today, possibly helping. Of course, we also have PPI slowing. That is a bullish potential catalyst for gold. So a bit of a home run day for gold, if you will, because um, again, as I mentioned, we are trading at the time of recording this up over 1.25% on the day on the price of spot gold. I should mention that if you're looking at futures contracts, it could be a little different, but spot gold trading at 2054 currently uh, off of the reaction to same stuff that we just discussed with oil. Um, commodities, of course, can... It's the, the old balance of supply and demand for the oil story and some of those same factors and, and forces can impact the price of gold. Uh, I think what will be interesting to watch with the situation, and, and you said this well, Craig, I think is that the market is currently positioned for this not to expand to other countries or, or, or to sort of escalate beyond. If there is an exception to that, if something changes that, that will, will of course be a massive driver to these markets as, again, consensus and what could happen are sometimes two different things. And when those do break down, those where you see some of the biggest moves. So it'll be an interesting market to watch going into the next week. And, and I do, I wonder if there will be some interesting closures on Friday uh, as people may not want to have extra risk going into the weekend. I wonder if that could potentially impact other risk on areas like indices, etc. So a curious thing to keep an eye on uh, as we enter into the weekend. Yeah, I think one other thing worth noting as well with the gold market is one of the things that helped it higher is that PPI report uh, and the impact that that ultimately had 
on yields as well. We saw the 10-year yield dip below 4%. It's fell as low as 392 It's now around 3.94%. The two-year yield fell uh, as well. And really interestingly, market expectations now for Federal Reserve, interest rates have fallen even further. So when you think that we thought going into the end of last year, six rate cuts or 150 basis points of rate cuts in total seemed really bullish. And that started to pair back slightly at the start of this year. Markets are now positioned even more aggressively again. So the markets now think there's a 60% chance of 175 basis points of rate cuts this year and around an 83% chance of that first one coming in March. So markets have gone even more aggressive on the back of this PPI data, which is interesting, as we said earlier, on the back of that CPI release yesterday, slightly hotter. But ultimately, what the Fed cares about is the PCE report, and the PCE is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. And that tends to take a bit from what the PPI says as well. So I think it was a really important report today. And combined with the kind of risk aversion from the geopolitical angle, this is not necessarily under the radar, but people, when you talk about inflation, people talk about CPI and then they talk about PCE. They rarely talk about PPI. And today, that's actually been the big hitter. Now, let's talk about Citigroup. And it has reported its worst quarter in 50 years and says it expects to cut at least 20,000 jobs over the next three years. Um, have we seen that announcement have a big effect on banking shares across the sector? Well, the banking sector this morning, there was several reports we heard from JP Morgan. We saw uh, most of these stocks actually trade higher. So there, there was some, of course, you know, when you have this many earnings reports, you're going to get some good, some bad in there. But it seems like consensus overall was positive. You know, I've just got JP Morgan pulled up. You can actually see that on the, the initial news, the initial report, it was actually a, a smash hit. Um, the individual stock itself traded up 2%. It's given back those gains here alongside a lot of the stock market here today it was was up higher and has pulled back but you know many people were looking to the finance sector as it usually is it's a good indicator of the consumer's health right are people going for loans or you know how are the banks doing it's it's an important indicator i, I will say that the bears were probably looking for something here that they didn't quite get there's nothing that is a massive red flag and i think that just in terms of keeping a macro focus as we do on this podcast Nothing here signals massive red flags. And in fact, in fact, it actually kind of perhaps gives a little bit of a green light in terms of outlook with the banking world not showing anything bad. It's almost like not having too bad of news is okay news and we can proceed from here. And also just to mention in reference to what we spoke about in the last podcast, the Bitcoin ETFs did hit the floor and uh, it is following up with our previous conversation about is it one of those buy the rumor, sell the news events. It's yet to really uh, come to fruition. However, you do see Bitcoin trading down lower here today on the second days of these ETFs trading. It's an interesting um, kind of development and, and I, I wonder will it continue to be a, a sell the news event. Again, Bitcoin's down 5.8% at the time of recording this. It came up and barely tested that 49,000 mark and then came down from there. So it will be interesting to keep an eye on the Bitcoin ETFs and continue to cover that story on the podcast. Yeah. And if I remember rightly, I mean, it feels like a very long time ago now, but when the Bitcoin futures was announced, it didn't immediately become a sell event. It was, if I remember rightly, we did have a two or three days maybe where the Bitcoin price actually did okay. And it was after that that we kind of saw the selling. So it, it will be interesting to see whether 
this time next week, for example, where the price of Bitcoin is, because I mean, it didn't go higher. That's the thing, right? When the announcement came, it didn't spring higher. And it's not like the announcement was a given. I think many people expected the SEC would approve it at some point, And it may have come this week, but it, they'd have approved it eventually. Um, but the fact that it was so incredibly priced into the point that the price barely edged higher, I think is quite significant. So like you say, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the price action over the next week or so. And whether we do get that eventual kind of sell the news pricing. Okay, guys, enjoy your weekends and we'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.